Why, hello. Oh my gosh, this is actually working. Holy crap, this is so exciting. I'm so excited to hear about how your week has been. Just a reminder, this week's episode is dedicated to responsibility, but you wanted to talk about the silly walks. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of ironic. <laughs> I'm working on responsibility. Yes, anyways, welcome back to Life is Fucked with Bell and Sam. Do we know how to do podcasts? No. Are we going to keep doing them? Yes. Yes. Do we care if you're listening? (laughs) No. (laughs) Sorry. Um. Okay. Yes. So, first of all, silly walks. So, my family is um, really strange, and I'm so glad to be a part of it. And I don't know how much of my own personal extreme weirdness comes from me and how much comes from my family, but they kind of feed each other. It's pretty wonderful. So, like, for quite a long time, we have been, my sister and I, kind of morph into these characters. And they're not, like, super well-developed or anything like that. It's like our dad will say something and then we'll just, like, look at each other and make, like, the same expression and assume this weird hunched posture and kind of kick out our legs to the side and walk, like, with very splayed knees and then, like, imitate him to make fun of him. And it's pretty great. <laughs> and then there's a lot so of... funny. Yeah, it's excellent. It would probably be really disturbing to anyone who's not used to it, though, to be honest. Like, I don't know. Not many people, like, it's one of those family things where if you even know that it happens by seeing it, then you kind of know that, like, we're really good friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's things like that, and there's other other variations on it. Like, um, I don't know, I was so excited when I watched Monty Python's Flying Circus for the first time and saw the Ministry of Silly Walks. Have you seen Monty Python, Sam? I have not in its entirety. I've only seen sections. I haven't gotten around to watching the whole thing at once. Okay, yeah, I haven't watched the whole show. I mean, there's like 16 seasons, which is a lot, but I've seen quite a bit. So you understand, like, the British humor and all that? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah. Well, so there's a part called the Mi- the Ministry of Silly Walks, which is basically, um, I think it's like, it's this government facility where people can, it's kind of like a patent office where people can submit a certain silly walk and have it like become official. So like no one can create a silly walk that's the same. And so it's kind of like officialized. And I thought that that was just like genius. Like I loved that. We do a lot of silly walks. There's this recent one that's, um, it's similar to the Naruto run where you um, where you lean over and you stick your arms out behind you in this V, except in our variation, you also, like, there's a lot of stuff with facial expressions. Like, you also kind of stick your top of teeth over your bottom lip and you, like, kind of laugh like a deranged character of a French person. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of, like, Commedia dell'arte. Of what? Of Commedia dell'arte. <laughs> I don't think I'm familiar with Commedia dell'arte. It's a form of theater. It It's a, a comedy theater, and it's based off of a lot of different characters or personas, and it's people use their body and voice, and sometimes they have masks um, as a way to get into that kind of character. Huh. That's really but I don't know. That's just 
the way you're describing it made me think of it yeah well I don't know it is kind of a way that we slip into characters that are like not complete or anything like that but we just kind of like go in and out of them like there's like infinite numbers Plus, I mean, like, the Naruto run version thing is, like, it's very intimidating when someone's running towards you doing it. And, like, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, you get a lot of momentum going. <clears throat> so, that's pretty special. Anyways. Silly walks. They're wonderful things. People should do them more. Like, in public. I think we should embrace the idea of silly walks more. Yeah. But it should be more commonplace. I agree. I think that, like, I've said for a long time, there's no normal people. There's only weird people repressing themselves, so. Oh my gosh, that is so wonderful. I think it's true, honestly. I I totally agree with you. Person who I've thought, yeah, you're totally normal, you know, and your truest self. Because I've always seen, even the quote-unquote normal people, I've always seen echoes of this weirdness that they don't really let out that much. Yeah, it's kind of sad. And being someone who lets the weirdness out all the time, I just can recognize it, and I haven't met someone who hasn't had that weirdness, you know? Yeah, really. It's kind of like, yeah, it's a little bit sad when you see someone in a group and, like, they say something that I think is, like, that, like is odd and I think is is funny and is smart but it doesn't line up with the whole idea of like what's cool so people kind of either ignore it or they correct it a little bit Mm -hmm. so that it kind of fits in with the mainstream blur anyways how are you doing well I feel like today's the perfect day for me to talk about responsibility because I've been oh such an adult like a good adult. Holy crap, yes, go Sam. I know. In this past week, since we last talk, a, talked, a lot has happened. Okay. My roommates have moved in, and they're both wonderful, and we vibe really well. Yes. Um, yeah. The mirror in our bathroom is falling down, oh, no. and it might fall down during the middle of this podcast. Oh, but I think I saw that knows? on your Snapchat story. Yeah, that was Yeah, that was oh my scary. god, it's getting worse. And we're trying to get people to come in to fix it. Can you just, like... Like, we're trying to do work orders and call people, but no one showed up and we just need someone to take it down or put it back because it's just hanging can you just like take it down like yourselves and just leave it there so it doesn't we tried but it's bolted and we don't have the tools to undo the bolt okay that's bs is there a hardware store near you or something (laughs) (laughs) that honestly it's we're considering it at this point we had a, a little toolkit but it's not equipped to oh, no. deal with the bolt no, on this thing. honestly i think that's a good idea like i think that people of our generation should become better at diying especially women because that's often been like like home repair has been such so male dominated but i think it's just something that everyone should know like cooking another thing that i don't really know but oh my gosh cooking can we talk about what i'm doing right now yes i literally I went out today and I went shopping. We can get back on that later because it was a whole experience. Okay. But I got ahead of cauliflower and I roasted it in the oven. Holy by crap. Yes. Go see I did it all by myself. And now I'm eating the cauliflower in a bathroom talking to you. So really, I'm living my best life. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's really great. When I put things in the oven, they tend to catch on fire. Oh, no. Yeah, like, it's it's a bit of a worrying trend. I'm unusually bad in cooking I don't know what's up with it 
it's like the same reason I'm bad at science labs, I think, but I'm pretty sure there's also some kind of mental block because I don't know if I ever told you this. I feel like I probably did, but um, when I was younger, my parents and my nanny tried to teach me how to cook and I refused on the basis of, I believed that if I learned how to cook, I would become um, subject to the life of a housewife and be unable to have my own career or my own personality and would be subjugated and forced into the kitchen by a man. So I refused to learn how to cook. Oh my gosh, how old were you? Eight. Wow. That's such an intelligent eight-year-old. I don't think I was thinking like that when I was eight at all. Well, it wasn't very intelligent because now I just don't know how to make food. (laughs) Yeah, but the fact that you had this awareness of social standards and how you felt pressured because like identifying as like a woman in that time or the world treating you like one would be you understood some of those rules that some people don't even bother to question sometimes I don't know I had a big chip on my shoulder like I had experiences with sexism from a very young age because like there was a kid in my elementary school and like this is wacky there's a lot of kids in the elementary school who are all like oh yeah boys are better than girls but this kid was like legitimately sexist and like he was really bad and I really did not like him and from then on basically whenever someone and this was this was like actually this was before kindergarten I think I met him probably one or two years before kindergarten because of the way my school was set up but ever since then like when sexist things come up like I notice right away and it really gets me You've just been made to be very aware of it. Yeah. Which is good. Do you feel like because of your awareness, you have a self-inflicted possibly duty to call that out or stop it or really stand up for people? I think I definitely do. And I think that like, I call it out and like in high school, I think that people kind of give me shit for that and in middle school too because someone will say something and it's a joke and it's a colloquialism and it's something that everyone thinks is funny and cool and I'm like no that's just like that's like really gross like why are you doing it I don't care that it's cool and like like okay this is totally whack sounding this is gonna sound crazy but in my middle school and eighth grade there was like a week when everyone thought that this one thing was really funny and it was like this um I don't even know it wasn't a rhyme but basically, people would hold up their hand and they would cross one finger over the other, just like you're crossing your fingers and go, good girl, sit like this. And then they would put the two fingers up next to each other, like you're doing like, like, not like a peace sign, but like your fingers are together. And they'd go, bad girl, sit like this. And then they would spread the fingers apart like a peace sign, but like facing down and go, girls who sit like this, get this. And then they would shove the, their thumb in between their two fingers like this. And I was like, that's so disturbing. That is so disturbing. That is really gross and rapey and very victim blaming. Wait, how old were you again? That was eighth grade. Eighth grade? That's ridiculous. I mean, it shouldn't be happening ever. But the fact that that was coming out from eighth graders. I think it's an interesting demonstration of, of like the manifestation of how we teach each young kids things that are really bad that lead to super bad things later in life like that's like one of the seeds of the idea that sexual assault is women's fault Uh, 
That's not cool. I don't like yeah. that. Just asking told my nanny what I wanted for dinner. Yeah, I don't like that either. <clears throat> Anyways, did you have stuff like that? Like, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, I went to an all-girl middle school, hmm. and so it was great in some ways because I felt like an equal in the classroom all the time because there were no boys coming in trying to talk down on us and our school really emphasized that being a girl wasn't a bad thing and it was a strength that's amazing and that you know learning we're entitled to learn and we're entitled to do well in class and we should so especially coming into high school I was very aware I saw a difference between myself and some other girls in high school who would know for example know the right answer in a math class and they wouldn't say or they wouldn't correct the boys and I would, if I, even if I had the wrong answer, I would fight for it and I would challenge them all the time. And I just thought that was really interesting. But be- also because of going into a middle school that was all girls, I in some ways lacked that same kind of awareness that you have, mm-hmm. it, especially when it kind of came to boys and what they said or what they did. I didn't pick up on it. And I still, I still don't pick up on it as much. Like, I can get the obvious stuff, but it wasn't as ingrained in me because I was surrounded by women for most of my life until high school. I think that sounds like really a blessing. Like, I would have appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, I'm really grateful to it. Yeah. Do you feel like because of that, you have a responsibility um, to continue fighting, That like, for those girls in your class who don't feel able to? Or were you more yes, what's yes. wrong with you? <laughs> in calculus... <clears throat> I must have sounded so annoying, but all the time, especially the girls who would sit at all the same table and they'd be struggling or didn't want to ask a question or something, I don't know. I would always affirm them and I would always say that they were smart and that they got this and that they could learn it and like they were doing okay. Go you. That's great. That's really great. Yeah. I think they must have appreciated that. I hope so. I mean, I hope they listen to me because I feel like a lot of the times when I tell girls or women that they are strong, they don't believe me. I think that goes for a lot of people telling girls and women that they're strong. Yeah. And I want, I don't, like, I don't blame them for not believing me, but it just makes me sad and frustrated sometimes because I want them to see how powerful that they are. But I also don't, try to push it a lot you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to conflict with your own self-identity that much but I won't stop telling you that I think that you're strong so even if you don't think you're strong know that I think you're strong that's incredible I think that's like it's kind of like I don't agree with the idea that like you can't love anybody else if you don't love yourself it's like having someone else's love can be the thing that can help you understand to love yourself in a way Mm -hmm. Also, side note, I think I'm on day 21 of my sinus infection. Oh, it's still happening? Yeah, it's still happening. I It might have joined up with my allergies by now, but there's like, it's worse than normal allergies. So I'm stocking up on that mucinex and that weird steroid thing that I shoot into my nose that tastes kind of bad. Yeah. You've had it for the whole time that we've done the pod. I have. Yeah, this is our third episode. And we're one week away from a month. One episode away from a month. 
Yeah. So, so it and needs to leave you alone right now. It really does. And it's also like, it's hecking up my singing voice. Like last night was the first time that I felt like I was kind of able to like sing. Okay. I went downstairs and jammed with my dad and it was great. It was so fun. That's cute. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of responsibility, like, I guess for me, because I had, because I had that kind of ingrained, like, I actually feel like maybe it's demeaning myself to call it a chip on my shoulder because it's a very valid thing to have. It's not a chip on my shoulder. It's an awareness of injustice. Like, I even now still feel like I kind of have to do things that and succeed and do well at things that women are not, I guess, supposed to do well at. Got it. Which is why, like, sometimes I really struggled with the idea and, like, I still feel uncomfortable admitting that I'm not great at Ken. Like, I'm not mm. great at some standard sciences that are really male-dominated. But I always feel the need to affirm after that that I am really good at physics. So, <laughs> yeah. But then Something like... that was really intimidating for me was... Mm. So, okay. At Sarah Lawrence, we do these things called interviews. Wow, a lot has happened in the past week. Okay. We do, uh, in order to sign up for classes, you have to interview the teacher or the professor for the class. Oh, I really like that. It's really cool, but it's also, <clears throat> it can also be really stressful because mm-hmm. there's a lot of running around campus trying Ooh. to get all of the interviews done because you cannot sign up for a class that you haven't interviewed for. Like, you will not get Shoot. in. Hmm. And so it's just, it's cool, but it's also a little stressful. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I interviewed a psych class and then a history class, and I felt very comfortable in both of those environments, even, not even though, but just as to mention, both of the mm-hmm. professors were men, and, and, but most of the students were feminine in some way, female aligning, mm. or non-binary, oh. there weren't a lot of men who looked like traditionally really masculine right i need to talk about whoosh after this yeah but when i went into the film basically the place where visual arts are Mm -hmm. and i went into the filmmaking area there were just so many more guys which i found really interesting and it felt it felt like an interesting place to step in because i i think i'm promising myself that I'm going to study filmmaking even though I feel like I'm behind or inadequate or not skilled enough or not good enough to make films I'm I want to do it and it makes me interested and so I'm going to do it because I feel like I owe myself the opportunity to learn but it is very very intimidating to walk into a building and see a ton of people who you feel like are a million miles ahead of you or already know terminology that you don't know. I don't think that you're behind or inadequate in terms of film. I think that you'll kick ass. And I think (laughs) there's probably a lot of people in there who you may think are ahead of you who are probably feeling kind of in the same place as you. And it's probably harder for you because you're a woman and because we are automatically taught like, you are inadequate compared to men. Yes, Which and I feel fun. like, I feel like especially in class, something like you were saying, is that I can't just be good. I can't be average as a student, especially in a room with mostly oh my gosh, men yeah. or masculine people. Like I have to, I don't have to be the best, but, but I can't be just average. I have good to enough. Isn't good myself. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is something I'm really looking at myself this year and trying to be okay with me failing. I'm, I'm going to get a bad grade on something. It's just going to happen and I have to be okay with it and I have to learn from it. And you know, you'll survive. Like, I don't know. You have a 100% survival rate of everything that has ever happened to you in your life. And you are so incredible. So you are so much more than that grade. And that's something that I appreciate about going to schools that before Urban did not have grades. And during Urban, we only got grades three times a year. Yeah. And yeah, and I think the value of a class is like, it's not just the grade. And the value of that project that you turn in, you could learn things from it and not get a good grade on it. But like, you still learn that shit, right? And yeah, that, right. That doesn't that won't go away because you got a great and not great grade which is that's such a great way to look at it the stuff that I'm learning won't go away and it won't be negated by the fact that I didn't get the best grade or the grade that I wanted yeah and our society is so grade focused and I think that it makes us not remember why we're going to school we're not going to school to get A's we're going to school to learn to learn to get ready to go out into the world and use our knowledge to, well, for me personally, to create things. Yeah, and I hope for me too. But yeah. I really want to see you be a creator, like, professionally. I want to see you too. Dude, I'm going to come to, like, all of your film premieres and all your plays. (laughs) I will, I mean, if I have the money, I, I will fly you out. I want you in my audience. I want you to be my not support group but a fan a part of my fan club because I'm already in yours like I'm definitely a big fan of Belle dude I'm in yours too I'm a big fan of Sam we have like a mutual fan club I feel like there's a oh my gosh okay this is so bad um because we're mutual fans we are a family worse out loud than my head (laughs) oh my gosh that could be the name of the people who are fans of the pod Yes, the family. Okay, yep. That's that's y'all out there who are the non-existent people. That's yeah. what you're called. Well, maybe, maybe like you know, like later on when we succeed in life, people are gonna we're gonna get like legit like rabid fans, and they're gonna dig up this old podcast. Oh, and- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we God, get really we'll- successful, we'll have to go through all of these and see which ones that we're okay with keeping. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I want to keep them all in, like, our private records, but at some point exactly. we're going to look at this and be like, I'm going to be like, why am I saying this stuff? I'm yelling in here. Yeah. I'm like a total socialist and I don't believe in you. <laughs> Someday I'm going to be, I don't know, at some premiere or something and someone's going to talk to me. It's like, oh my gosh, I really love how you talked about being a woman at Sarah Lawrence. And I was like, when did I say that? <laughs> What? You are in your bathroom eating the eating your um your roasted cauliflower. Yeah, that's the life I'm living. Yeah. So as you know, I moved in early, and so I got a room to myself for a few days. Mm-hmm. But since we've last talked, I've gotten two roommates, two really cool roommates. Woo! And well, it's been. I've never had to share a room before, but it's been going surprisingly well. That's great. And it doesn't hurt that we have our own bathroom. It's so Ooh, yeah. nice. That's really But good. I find it really interesting because almost in a way, sharing space keeps me on top of my shit more because I know that I can't leave like a pile of my clothes on the floor. 
in the middle of the room because that that's not just my space. It's two other people's spaces too. So when I have my clothes are done for the day, I have to put them in the hamper or I have to fold them up and put them in the drawer because I don't want to get in anyone's way. Hmm. Yeah, I found that when I was kind of living on my own in a room too, like when sometimes when I was younger, like my parents had to like push me and push me to like put my plates in the sink some something super basic like that when I was in a room like I would voluntarily wash the common area because I don't want the common area to be gross and yes. it feels good to do things for your roommates and to help contribute to a positive environment it does feel good to contribute to a positive environment I mean literally the other day I couldn't take how much dust was on the floor because I don't think the rooms were cleaned at all before we got here. Oh my God. I know. And there was just so much dust and stuff on the floor from people moving in and packages and all of that stuff. And I couldn't do it anymore. So I got my Swiffer because I have one and I just Swiffered the entire floor. I, yes. I the whole thing. And it was so satisfying. I used two of those wet sheets because it was that nasty. Oh my god. That's I know, impressive. It was so gross. But oh my god, yeah. That's like that sounds like I don't know if you've ever been in the tunnel to Alameda Island, but like the walls are black, but there's places where people have walked across and like wiped them with their hands and it's just like white and it's like, oh my god. Ew. Yeah. But it feel it felt good and I felt like I was maintaining the space. And I washed my sheets. I've huh, never I great. I I don't know. It's like I talked to my other friend about this, but uh a lot of people, I think especially my parents and some other friends of mine would probably assume that in college I would be a mess and fall apart and not really be that responsible because it seems like I'm a mess, especially at home. But that's it's like this weird power game in my head where when I'm at home it's my mom's space it's my dad's space it's not my Mm. space so I don't feel like I'm in charge of doing anything specific or that I'm in charge of weirdly my own health it's like I'm still the ward of my parents but when I'm on my own especially now that my parents are out of New York I definitely feel like okay, I'm on my own. I'm in charge of myself. I have to manage everything in my life. And I, I'm the one in charge of making sure that I'm staying on top of it and healthy and happy. And I feel good cleaning the floors. I feel good washing dishes. I feel good cooking or changing my sheets or folding my clothes. Because in a way, it's I know that this is all for me. And it's not just to appease a parent in my house who wants me to keep my floor clean it's because I want to keep my floor clean and it's and it's this weird power play game in my head that now I'm on my own I can function I don't know no I feel like our brains are on the same wavelength oh my god Sam that's like exactly the feeling that I had when I was in my dorms at pre-college and I've never heard it explained so well like whoa yeah I just I remember this time, like, especially in terms of the health, like, and it was empowering almost, although this is going to sound like a little bit sad or scary, like, no one is going to do it for you. And that's kind of great. Like, yeah, okay. When I went to pre-college in New York, there was this one time when I went and I, like, hung out with this kind of sketchy friend and took some kind of sketchy drugs. And then I came back and I, like, yacked. 
it was really bad. I think I might have also had a stomach flu at the same time, but nice. basically, like, I had to go back to my room and sit down at, on, like, okay, the bathroom was very base of steel and unfriendly and not great vibes, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna throw up, and I'm gonna hold back my own hair, and I'm gonna wash out my own mouth and wipe off my own disgustingness from my face, because this is what it's gonna be like, and there's no one here to do it for me, and I don't need anyone to do it for me i haven't for a long time exactly but it's very empowering yes i mean on a similar well different different context but like this morning i went and i did a workout and yes. that felt like the most <clears throat> me thing that i've done in a while because i've wanted to go work out and i've wanted to get back into shape and be like buff but i just haven't done it but now I have a routine and I wrote everything down that I want to do. And I did it this morning. I did an hour workout and I kind of know that, well, since I did it this morning, I can do it again and again, and I can get the results that I want because I will go. That's so empowering. Yeah. I felt that lately with my working out too. Like, I feel like I would be more motivated if I was in college because there's no one around, but like, and I have kind of been falling off on my core, but like, this is the first time in my entire life that I have gone on runs voluntarily and actually really enjoyed going on runs. Also, I go in the middle of the night, usually after I've watched Black Mirror and I'm kind of scared the whole time, but oh. it's very nice. <clears throat> I live in kind of like, it seems rural, even though it's not. Yeah. So it's these roads where I don't see anyone, like very bendy, hilly, narrow areas, super pretty out. All right, you should talk about Wish. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Also, I just discovered some tape that's, like, randomly on this art piece in my house, and I don't know why it's there. Or huh. if I take it off or not. Okay, yeah. So, Wish stands for Women's U.S. History, and it is the most influential class that I took at Urban. So... Wush is taught by Sharice. Oh, wait, no, we're not mentioning specific people. We can say her first name and our last name. Yes, okay. Wush is taught by Sharice, who's a wonderful woman. She was also my dean, and it was an incredibly difficult class for me, I have to say. It was a comprehensive, um, or not comprehensive, comprehensive, but because that, that would be impossible, but it encompassed many different women from many different demographics in the U.S. from the 1800s through almost the present. And it was spectacular. That class shaped my understanding of womanhood. It shaped my understanding of women's history. It shaped my understanding of history in general and of America in general. Because those are pieces that are left out of the narrative. And it's like, and people just don't question it because we're taught the white men's story and we're not taught how those white men were able to do those things. It's because they didn't have to do the things that they were making women do and or that they were making white women do. And how did those white women do the things that they did because they were making like women of color do things? It's, mm. You can't just look at the tower of a castle and say that that's how it's standing up because the rest of the castle is underneath it. And <clears throat> the in the foundations of the castle are underneath that and women form the foundation of so much history that is completely disregarded because of our gender but the reason that I thought of that class was because when I took it I think there were 15 people in it and there was 
only one person in it who was male and was not gay or questioning. And I think he felt kind of weird in it. It wasn't really his first choice. Which was kind of interesting to me. Like, I actually appreciated some of his contributions. Some of them I took some slight issue with. But, like, I liked talking to him in the class for a lot of it. But I thought that it was just... It was interesting and it was good for me at times because it provided such an incredible safe environment where we could have spectacular discussions about the creation of the makeup industry and how it created its own demand in women by telling them that they needed something more, which is super insidious and bad and also fascinating. And also like, how do I consider that in terms of how much I love makeup? And then it was Mm. also kind of like sad in a way because I could look at the class and be like, the people who care about this history are for the most part people who are affected by it or who are directly affected by it when in reality everyone is affected by it but the people who don't see themselves as that way because their privi- their privilege allows them to ignore how they are supported by women's history and by women aren't inter- aren't interested in taking it and i've been i've thought about that a lot I guess it's a way of taking responsibility for your own history and for kind of what you're standing on. Learning more about it. Like education is a way to <clears throat> take responsibility for your own life and what it means in the context of all the other lives lived before you that allow that to happen. Like I think like there's parts of my own ancestry that I am not proud of. Um, a lot of my family is from Florida. I have at least two sides of Confederate soldiers. And that is a horrifying thing that I feel like I'm still confronting because although I know that like I didn't I don't have place like I I don't have a place in that and like it's not my like I didn't have any impact on those people's actions who died years and years and years before I was born it still is part of my history that some of my family enforced slavery so I feel like I have a responsibility as a descendant of people who did things and fought for things that were so deeply wrong to understand more about that and understand how I can continue moving the country in the right direction. That's really, that's an incredible way to put it. I have a, a an article that I'm going to send you that I got for my first year studies class, which I Ooh. think you'll appreciate. Please do. Yeah. Love to read your recommendations. All right. So tell me about shopping. Shopping. I will talk about shopping and then we could probably end it because we're at 35 minutes. Okay, yeah, and we normally go to 37-ish or something like that. Yeah, like around 40. Okay, so you do your piece about shopping, I'll tag on to shopping, and then we'll round it up. Yeah, no, I'm in shopping together. Okay, yeah. So I've been actually good, and I'm worried about slipping as the months go on but so far I've been really good at keeping track of my money dang that's great and I I made some money over the summer and we went to this little financial aid thing and they gave us a budgeting sheet and I used it and I basically cut up because I'm getting an allowance from my parents and I cut up my allowance and what I earned over the summer together and basically turned it into how much I'm allowed to spend per month on food on laundry, on books and supplies, on, I don't have a section for clothes, but I should add one because I should buy clothes now that I'm thinking about it. But basically I just cut it up into a bunch of different sections. Mm-hmm. Super smart. And 
it's actually helping me and it's a lot of meticulous work and jotting things down and receipts especially stuff that's not done through my debit card and it's in cash and I feel like especially with cash I can throw the 20 out and not get it back and it won't feel like I lost it oh my gosh that's such a good point I will yeah exactly because it won't be written on my card it will just have like minus 20 (laughs) it's just oh it was in my wallet and now it's not and you know now I have a burrito I don't uh, $20 burritos hashtag San Francisco thing yes yes but I've been keeping track of things and I'm trying to balance when to splurge and do the whole treat yourself kind of vibe and when to do the opposite and say, you know what, calm down. You only have 50 bucks to last through the rest of the month and you don't need this. You don't need it. So yeah, stop. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. That is so great. That's like where I want to be. I actually, that's one of my goals for the next couple of days. So hopefully it'll happen in the next couple. Of days. I can send you that budget. sheet, the the budgeting sheet, because honestly, you? when someone says budget, I would get really overwhelmed and I wouldn't even know what that meant. Me too. But the sheet is yeah. really helpful. Like it just breaks it down and you can so easily transfer it to your own personal expenses and income it just I'll, I'll send you I'll send that's you that amazing too. thank you so much yeah that's like yeah, of course I don't know shopping is interesting to me when you say shopping the first thing that comes to my mind is not shopping for personal necessities it's shopping for clothes because I have a problem with that got it and like I don't know I have a this is a bigger one I think maybe the topic for our next podcast if you would be interested in going into it more although it is very personal is money I think we could talk about I think it is personal but I do think it's something that people need to talk about more I agree and although you know it feels a little personal I would be like very happy to go into it and just talk about it because it's worth the discussion yeah I agree and I think that we can go vague enough to like protect our families like I care more about how my family is thinking about it and would be perceived than how I would be yeah yeah I think we can do it but um so that will be our topic for next time. But yeah, shopping. Oh man, I'm bad at budgeting, and I have I don't have a job currently because I was working at my boba place with the boba lady who was really really mean and made me kind of cry a little bit. So I decided not to work there because although some of my friends were like, "Oh yeah, well all like food jobs are like that. You just have to have a thick skin." All the adults that I talked to were like, "That is not a human a humane way to treat people, and you can get a job that will pay the same." Or more, will people where people will treat you better? So I was like, why am I here? <clears throat> so, and then my parents like, I've been talking to them about my money for the gap year and stuff, and it's kind of interesting because it's this drastic change in probably my allowance and where my money is coming from in terms of my funds, what I'm going to be saving for because I'm saving for things that I really want to do, like trips for, like the first time in my life. It's big changes like that, and at the same time, the way that I'm interacting with money with my family is basically the same. Like, my mom was like, let's go to the flea market. And I was like, oh, my God, my favorite place on earth. So we went to the Alameda flea market. And this was the first time that I'd had to pay for all of my stuff. And that was, I think it's good that I learned to pay for my own things. And it's also confusing because when your family goes from, oh, I've got this for you, and I've got this for you, and I've got this for you, and here is your monthly allowance, which is very generous, And I'm like, thanks. 
And then they go to, okay, when you get a job, your allowance goes away and you should start saving and you're buying tons of stuff for yourself that you have never had to buy for yourself before like three months ago or something like that. It's a little bit confusing. Yeah, it really is. And I spent like a ton of money from like the little bit of work that I've done this summer at the flea market. And I felt good about it because I think partly because my definition of need when I'm in an environment where I can get things is kind of skewed. It's like how when you're on your own taking responsibility for yourself, you have kind of better perspective than if you were doing that, but your parents lived right down the block. Like, you get sick and you take yourself to the doctor as opposed to you get sick, hey, mom, can you take me to the doctor? Yeah, totally. It's not real, necessarily. So, still working on that. And I really did feel like I needed everything that I got. And then I got home and I was like, oh, this is so cool, but I don't need any of it. I'm trying to get rid of clothes. Oh, my God. I just bought, like, eight things. Jesus. It's hard, man. It is hard. First of all, probably. tells you how hard it is. Yeah. But I think it is, like, I come from such incredible privilege that I can do that. And I really appreciate that. And I wish that. And I'm trying to, I don't wish that, I'm trying to work so that I can appreciate it more and have a better understanding of how I can interact. Oh, yeah. Something that's kind of wild is that my parents don't want me to work. Like, they won't let me work because they want me to, like, focus on studying. Hmm. And it's it's like a privilege and it's a restriction at the same time because I'm still 100% dependent on my parents. And... It's such a privilege to be able to say that, but also in some ways it's, it just doesn't feel like totally me yet. Is it, it, it's almost a little bit disempowering in the most wonderful, like, lucky way. Yeah, in the most generous way, it feels a little disempowering. Well, take care. And until next time, love you, Sam. Love you, Belle. See you later, everyone. Or, well, uh, you'll hear us later, and we won't have any awareness of your existence. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.